All right, today's the next to last sports zone for 2023. And I wanted to make sure that we previewed the January 1st CFP semifinals. So out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the sports zone by Shehan Jayaraja of uh, CBSSports.com. And uh, let's start with the, uh, the the actual CFP selections. Let's go back to a couple of weeks ago, roughly a couple of weeks ago, when the final four teams were uh, re- re- uh, revealed, unveiled, however we'd like to put this. What was your opinion of Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Alabama, the top four seats? Yeah, for me, uh, leaving out Florida State was a huge mistake. I, I think it sets a really bad precedent, the idea that you can go through a power conference, finish 13-0, and uh, play two SEC teams in the non-conference slate and still be left out. Uh, I think it's a bad incentive structure to say that if a player gets hurt, that we're essentially throwing out your candidacy. And I think that the other part of it, too, is that you know, when if you want to make the case that, well, they're just ranking the four best teams, I, I don't know how Ohio State doesn't get into your top four. I don't know how Georgia doesn't get into your top four. I don't know how Oregon doesn't get into your top four. So to me, it, it was just a, a complete mess of a process. I, I don't think that it's uh, necessarily the, the right answer. Now, I will say... All four teams, I think, in the field have a chance to win a national championship, but that doesn't eliminate uh, how wrong the process was. And look, if Alabama goes and wins the national championship, that still does not absolve, I, I think, the process to which got us here. Okay, a little, on, a little more on Florida State. Yeah, We did see roughly a two-and-a-half game sample after Jordan Travis got hurt. Would they have been competitive against these other three teams in the playoffs? Well, I think that one thing to mention, right, is that in the first game, uh, the first start of Tate Rodemaker's career, he suffered a concussion, right? So he was not fully healthy even in that first game. And so you're playing with your third string, true freshman quarterback. You've thrown one FBS pass attempt. Uh, and one, you know, they would have had a month of practice to get ready for this game, too. I mean, defensively, they are unbelievable. Even with their third string quarterback, they beat a top 15 opponent by 10 points. It, it wasn't pretty but you know this isn't supposed to be a beauty contest and I, I again i think the other part of it too is that if the playoffs came around you'd be playing with tade rodemaker he'd have a month to get ready he'd have a month of first team reps uh and this is a really talented offense we saw you know obviously with players like trey benson at running back keon coleman at wide receiver johnny wilson a really good offensive line mixed with what is a top five defense in the entire country i absolutely think that they would have been able to hang with some of these teams in the college football playoff would they be a favorite to win it not necessarily but I don't think that changes the process. I mean, again, and once you kind of open up the door to, well, you know, this team didn't play well in the conference championship game. This suffered a major injury. Well, I mean, Michigan lost one of their best players, offensive lineman Zach Zinter, and went on to put uh, mm-hmm. put together 213 yards of offense against Iowa. So, again, I just think it's a slippery slope to open this door to, well, we don't really feel like these results are legitimate or should count or matter to us because once we start that, where do we stop? One more thing about Georgia here, a thing about Georgia, because we haven't had one thing previously, so a thing about Georgia. They had won 29 in a row uh, over three seasons before they lost that game to Alabama. They were the number one in the rankings the week before. They drop out entirely. Was just losing in the state of Georgia to Alabama, Is was that enough to get them out, left them out, have them left out? Sorry, um, have them left out. Let's try that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think that, What's interesting about this, right, is the committee's kind of trying to uh, use whatever level of logic that, they, that they're that they trying to do, right? And 
one of the very key things that they said, if you win a conference championship, that is a tiebreaker in a lot of ways. And with Alabama having a tiebreak victory over Georgia because of beating them in a conference championship, and then you mix in Texas, having that similar tiebreak uh, situation over Alabama and really not having a very good case to have uh, Alabama move ahead of Texas, I do think that made things complicated. Now, again, if you're going to talk about uh, the teams that, no matter what, put everything aside, are the best four teams in the country, I think that Georgia has a really good case to be one of those four teams. But, again, this is why we play the game. You know, we have an example of a team that uh, that lost earlier in the year that had, you know, in Alabama, uh, a game that went to fourth and 31 against Auburn. That was 3-3 at half against South Florida. <laughs> that was a three-point win over Arkansas. Uh, come out and beat Georgia. So I do think that it was the right decision to leave them out. But I, I think that, you know, a lot had to go right for that to happen. Shayon Jarajas uh, with CUSSports.com, crowing in the sports zone. All right, on to January 1st. Let's start with the number one seed, Wolverines, against the number four seed, Crimson Tide, at the Rose Bowl. What has impressed you the most about Michigan during this 13-0 and start to the season for them? Yeah, I think defensively, they are just unbelievable. They've got playmakers at every level. They've got uh, consistent development. Uh, you know, I, I love what they have at cornerback with Will Johnson and Mike Sanders still. I mean, th- this is one of the best combinations in the entire country. And I think that defensively, they just have the ability to hold teams underwater. And offensively, they do a great job of not beating themselves. Uh, obviously, their offensive line has won the Joe Moore Award the past two years for the best offensive line in the country. And, uh, you know, they, they took a little bit of a step back this year I don't expect them to three-peat for the award but still a very strong unit and they get just enough from their passing games to keep uh, teams on their feet so you know this is easily the most consistent team in the country they really uh, I mean you look across the the schedule they didn't have a game that really they even could have lost this season now they played uh, far and away the weakest schedule out of all of these teams, but to be as consistent as they were, to not mess up at any point. I mean, again, like I mentioned, Alabama had a game against the 6-6 six and six team that went down to the wire. Uh, you know, Texas had games go down to the wire. Washington had games go down to the wire. Georgia had games go down to the wire. For Michigan to be as consistent as they are, I think is really impressive. The question for me with them is going to be, what exactly is their upside going into the playoff against these three other teams? But there's no question they have the highest floor of the group. Okay, so along those lines, you know, they almost never trailed even in a game this season, so this might be a tough question. Is there a reason for concern about their team? Yeah, I think that when you look at the four teams in the playoff, Michigan is the one that really on offense does not have any explosive component. You know, I I went through and looked at some of their stats yesterday, and out of uh, 350 receivers with at least 40 targets this year, Michigan's top two receivers ranked 288th and 313th in yards after contact or sorry yards after catch (laughs) per reception so they do not make plays after the catch and I think that when you look at these other teams you've got an Isaiah Bond Jermaine Burton at Alabama Uh, obviously Texas and Washington you don't even need to mention Romo Dunze A.D. Mitchell Xavier Worthy these are big time explosive playmakers and Michigan has not had that component to their offense so I think that that does make them a little dependent on a certain game script they need to stay uh you know on schedule they need to stay ahead of the chain they need to get first down and we saw uh really in both of their two playoff games the last two years especially the georgia one uh when they got off schedule they struggled they they 
they struggled mm-hmm. to put teams away. They struggled to to uh, get into the end zone, right? I mean, you look at that Georgia game from a couple of years ago. It was 34-3 to with only minutes left in the game. And so I think that that's the piece that they really need to develop over the course of this next month is they need to have a downfield threat. They need to, to be explosive, and they need to be able to keep pace, even with, a, with an Alabama team that isn't necessarily a juggernaut offensively. Okay, so on to Alabama we go here. Obviously, they lost at home in week two to Texas. They had the uh, whatever game that was the next week at South Florida that they escaped. Jalen Milrow, how has he improved this much after that Texas game? No, it's a great question. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, the South Florida game, of course, he doesn't play. And it was almost Nick Saban seeming to say, look, we don't have better options. We're going to grow with this guy. And I think that you look over the course of the season, there's a couple aspects to it. One, I mean, experience is a great teacher. And we saw, you know, he started to understand these are the moments where I need to stay in the pocket. These are the moments when I need to leave the pocket. These are the moments when I need to scramble. These are the moments where I need to stay true uh, and keep my eyes downfield. I think another great part of this is you see development around him. I, I mean, especially early in the season, Alabama was starting a, a true freshman at left tackle who just seemed lost at times in pass blocking. He was not able to stay uh, horizontal and, and keep guys in front of him. He's come along in a big way. Uh, and then I think that at receiver, too, we're starting to see, you know, Jermaine Burton is putting together some of these games that we thought that we saw from him. And Isaiah Bond is really the player who I think might be the breakout player of this season outside of Jalen Milrow on that Alabama offense. So part of it, is just uh, Jalen getting more comfortable and understanding his role a little more. Part of it is growth around him uh, in terms of receivers and offensive line play. And I think one other piece, too, is it's Tommy Reese, their offensive coordinator, starting to understand what he does well and what he struggles with. And, you know, I I think that uh, especially when you have a young player, Jalen Melrose, is a first-year starter, uh, finding an offensive coordinator who can get the most out of a player, who knows how to keep him out of trouble, who knows how to to limit his mistakes, that can be a huge advantage. And I think will be even bigger of an advantage as they head into the college football playoff against a couple of other really good coaching staff. Okay, so Alabama versus Michigan. What do you think are some key matchups in this game? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I mentioned Michigan's offensive line, which has, uh, you know, won the award for best offensive line to uh, the last two years. This year, it's going to be a little bit more of a struggle. They, uh, they kind of had to slide some guys around, especially after the injury to right guard Zach Zinter. They were not the same offensively and on the line when they played Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. And Alabama's got some guys, especially off the edge. Dallas Turner is somebody who's going to be a first-round draft pick. Chris Braswell is going to be not far behind him. They also have a really, really, really good secondary, so I expect that they're going to get a lot of safety help against the run as well, which is going to help them out a whole lot. So Michigan's offensive line, I think, has to step up in a big way. And again, the last two years, they did not – uh, handled themselves well once they got to the playoffs. Georgia absolutely flattened them in 2021. They struggled to deal with TCU's angles in 2022, uh, coming out of a 3-3-5. And so I do think that coming into this game, Michigan has to prove that they can be consistent, that they can give J.J. McCarthy time to throw, and that they can uh, run the ball at a higher level than they have for most of the year. And for Alabama, I think it's to not make too many mistakes. I mean, that's the thing. Michigan doesn't beat themselves. Alabama has at times this year. We've seen interceptions from Jalen Milrow. We've seen fumbles. We've seen broken plays. We've seen, uh, you know, on defense and breakdowns. I I think that Alabama – 
if you just go head to head, I think is a more talented team. And so it's going to be up to them to just let their playmakers make plays, not make the game too complicated, and try to win some of these one-on-one battles. So I do think that Alabama ends up coming away with this game. But uh, I expect a low-scoring game, and Jalen Milrow, again, is the key because if he doesn't turn over the ball, I think Alabama's in great shape. All right, Shahan, let's move on to the other game. Game two on New Year's Day is the number two seed Washington Huskies against the number three seed Texas in the Sugar Bowl. First up, should we we expect like a home crowd advantage for Texas playing in New Orleans? I do think so. You know, you talk about uh, Texas, obviously one state over from New Orleans. It's a very easy flight. I'm based out of Texas as well. Uh, Lots of people will be coming from Houston, which is a short drive away. Lots of people will be flying from Dallas. So, yeah, I mean, there will be lots of Washington fans there. I have no doubt about that. But I do think that this is going to be uh, maybe a 70, 65, 35 uh, Texas home game potentially. Okay, so once we've established that, and I think that's why that they they're like a four and a half point favorite. I think that factors in for sure. But yeah, Washington they won multiple close games pretty much after September. Uh, they're now an underdog for the third time in the last four games. Why did the Huskies win all these close games? It's it's a great question, and I think it's a couple of things. One. In Michael Penix Jr., they've got one of the calmest and most consistent quarterbacks in the country. I mean, he just makes plays at the biggest time. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, a 40-yard touchdown pass to Romo Dunze to beat Oregon. Sometimes it's pulling a, a carry and, and uh, sweeping around the edge against Oregon State to convert a keyboard down. They just uh, do such a good job of letting Michael Penix lean on his strengths. And he's as good of a passer as there is in the country. I'd make the case that as a pure passer, he has been the best quarterback in the entire country this year. And he has a really good stable of wide receivers as well. But, you know, when you look at Washington, too, they are a team that just understands situational football at – a level that, I mean, there's very few teams in the country over the past couple of years that I think have leveraged it as much, right? Defensively, they don't rank among the top teams, but they always get a stop in the right situation. They always get stops on third and long. They always uh, manage to convert in key spots. So, I mean, this is a Washington team that is just astonishingly well coached by Kalen DeBoer. I mean, you look at his, his record as a head coach. He was an NAIA coach for a long time, went to Fresno State, now at Washington, and his winning percentage is something like 93% as a head coach. He does not lose football games very often. And, I, again, I think that it comes down to those factors, just knowing uh, when to put the pedal down, knowing when to pull back. And, uh, and again, I mean, I think that Washington right now, they have the longest winning streak of any team in the FBS now that Georgia mm-hmm. lost. They won 20 games in a row, including a win, by the way, over this Texas team last year in the Alamo Bowl. So I, I think that they are as well-prepared and as experienced and as veteran a team as any in the entire country. Okay, I would ask the obligatory is Texas back question, but they're really not back because they've never been in the CFP before. So what has made the Longhorns this good this season? Yeah, I I mean, I've been asked, of course, that particular question so many times this year. And my answer has been conference contention is is being back for Texas. So this is a level above back, like you mentioned. you know, I think that when you look at this team, uh, Steve Sarkeesian took over in 2021. It was a struggle. They went 13-12 and 12 their first two seasons under Steve Sarkeesian. 
Um, but they've been building to the season in a lot of ways from the perspective of developing talent, from the perspective of growing up some young players, of having a second-year starting quarterback in Quinn Ewers and uh, in building up that wide receiver room, including junior Xavier Worthy coming along as a third-year player. Uh, so when you look at this team, this is a team that looks in a lot of ways like some of the Alabama teams that Steve Sarkeesian was a part of a couple of years ago, uh, including that 2020 team that he coordinated to a national championship. Uh, they're deep, they're physical, they're big. Uh, they have depth at every key position. And I think that, uh, you know, the, the big thing for them has been offensively, they have been at times inconsistent, even as they've tried to figure themselves out. But defensively, they show up every single week. Tavondre Sweat on the defensive line won the Outland Trophy as the best interior lineman on either side in college football, and he absolutely deserves it. He is a run-stopping force on his own. And I think that Pete Kwiatkowski, their defensive coordinator, who ironically came from Washington, doesn't get enough credit for what he's built over there in the secondary as well. So I, I think their defense gives them – a, a floor that they have not had in previous seasons. And their offense, uh, of course, has the explosive component, and they're able to overcome some of their inconsistent play and have become more consistent over the past two or three weeks as well. So just a complete team at this point and one that will be very scary for any of the four teams in the college football playoff to deal with. You mentioned Worthy. Uh, you know, last He'd been knocked out of games in two or three times here in the last you know, month of the season. And last time I saw him, he was in a walking boot in the fourth quarter of the, of the, uh, you know, the Big 12 championship game. Do we know if he's going to play? It's up in the air right now, but I, I think that he's expected to play. They said that he's been dealing with some nagging uh, sort of ankle stuff for about a month before that. He was actually knocked out for a bit against Texas Tech as well, but came back to play. Uh, in, in the Big 12 title game. So I do expect that he's going to be back. Uh, the question, of course, is, is he limited at all? And that's uh, hard to know a month out. But I do think that um, when you look at Worthy, obviously he's their, their big yards after the catch guy. He's somebody who they throw screens to and let go to work. But they are so deep at the receiver position. A.D. Mitchell, I mean, I think there's a case that he's made his case as the number one receiver on this team. Jordan Whittington is as good a possession receiver as there is in college football. Jatavian Sanders, uh, to me, outside of Brock Bowers, is the best tight end in the country. So they have depth at that position, but absolutely getting worthy back and healthy uh, will be a huge priority for them, especially as they head into this two-game stretch potentially. Okay, I certainly understand that this game is more than two weeks away, but do we have a lean or a prediction who wins uh, Texas against Washington? Yeah, so this is going to be a great game to me. I, I mean, to me, this is the national championship game. I think the winner of this game beats either Michigan or Alabama in the national championship game. Now, that might be wrong, obviously, but that's just my feel right now. Texas is such a complete team, and you look at what they do defensively, it's incredible. Uh, you look at what they do offensively, it's really, uh, there's no questions about it. Steve Sarkeesian's built uh, a force over there. But Washington, in, in kind of an opposite way, uh, I, I think just thrives where Texas at times struggles. Texas has struggled to put away teams. They've struggled to play mm -hmm. situational football. They've struggled to show up at times in the big close moments. We saw that in their loss to Oklahoma earlier this year, and they've let other teams back into games uh, just because, you know, they've had inconsistent play on offense as well. And for Washington, I mean, they have taken advantage every single time of any mistakes. And Texas has been a team that's made mistakes and managed to survive them this year. I think that Texas is the better overall team, 
But I just trust this Washington coaching staff, this Washington offense, and Michael Penix Jr., who would have been potentially my pick for the Heisman Trophy. Uh, I, I just trust them to make plays in the biggest moments. And the other part of this, too, is that Texas is a deeper team, like I mentioned. But having this month off gives Washington an opportunity to fully get healthy. We just heard yesterday that Romo Dunze, their star Blitnikoff finalist wide receiver, was apparently dealing with a broken rib for the latter half yeah. of the season. Having a month off to get healthy and get back to form is going to be huge for this team. So it's going to be a barn burner. It is going to be one of the games of the year in college football. I'm leaning Washington right now, but ask me in five minutes and I might change my mind. Okay. Shayon, I really appreciate it. This has been great. And uh, we need to get you on more often next season. I will make a note to do that. Uh, please do. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Shayon uh, Jayaraji of CBSSports.com. Tremendous stuff. He's great. And uh, like I said, we should have had him on more this season. That's my fault. But we will definitely do so next season for sure.